So I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible in John, the 13th chapter. Okay? So now, before the Passover feast began, and we talked about what that was in the previous recordings, Jesus knew and he was fully aware that the time, notice that, time, time, we're going to focus on that, time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. And as he had loved those who were his own in the world, in this particular age, right, that were in the world system but not of it, he loved them to the last and to the highest degree. That's what the end means. So it was during supper, Satan having already put the thought of betraying Jesus in the heart of Judas. Notice that? That's how he entered. He entered through what? The thought life. How does he, how does, he can't touch our position in Christ, so what does he go after? He can't touch us now. Remember, 1 John 5, 18, it says the wicked one touches us not. That's our position we are family. It's, sin doesn't touch it. Nothing can touch that. But that's why he goes after the experience. Right? So, he put the thought of betraying Jesus in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. Right? So when we don't trust him, is that the mind of Christ? And when we don't trust him and we worry and doubt and live in fear, where does that come from? Who put that thought in our experience, our experiential mind? Who did? Well, if it wasn't God, there's only one other that could, right? And can we serve two masters? You can see it again in Matthew 6, 22 to 24 specifically. Okay? Into the heart, the very mind of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. That Jesus, knowing fully aware that the Father had put everything in his hands. We said this the other day. Has God, does God have everything about us in his hands? Does he? John 10, 28 and 29 bring it out clearly. And he that comes to him, he will in no wise cast out. In John chapter 6, read those verses in 37 to 40. No man, nothing, no created being can take us out of his hand. So, here's what it says. Knowing fully that all things, the Father had put all things in his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God, he got up from supper, took off his garments, remember we, we've already gone through that, and taking a servant's towel, <laughs> wow, he fastened it around his waist, then he began to pour water in the wash basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the servant's towel with which he was girded. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are, you, uh, are my feet to be washed by you? Is it for you to wash my feet? Wow. We went into that the other day too. Jesus said unto him, you do not understand now what I'm doing, but you will understand later on. And boy, we won't understand anything until we're taught the things of Christ. And I'm thankful that we have the truth in our position in Christ. And that goes into the epistle of Ephesians. But thankful for all those types too that bring out the clarity in a way when you have all the preponderance of those, you have a fuller understanding. And I have a fuller understanding. 
Peter said to him, and that's a promise, but you will understand later on. Isn't that awesome? His faithfulness. Listen, you may not understand certain things right now. You may think things are going over your head. The fact that you showed up and were available to be taught by God the Holy Spirit, taking the things of Christ through a vessel and showing them unto us, you will understand later on. But there's a lesson that has to be learned. It's the lesson of what? Dependence, humility, and patience. And God's timing. And in Psalm 31, verse 15, again, time is our time or what? In his hand. So if I'm in his hand, does that include my time? Is it my time or his time? Is everything about me his time, his life, everything? Well, Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, unless I wash you, you have no part with and really in me experientially. You won't experience your position. You won't. In me, you have no share and companionship with me. You'll just live life trying to live the Christian life without my life being in your experience. You will think you have to do certain things. You will think you will have to do certain things to be accepted of me when the fact is in your position in Christ in Ephesians 1.6, you're already accepted in his beloved. And there goes the phone. I hope you don't want this phone. It looks fine. You'll have to... I'm trying to do my best not to... Uh, that you have to edit these because I really, you know, I would like them up as, you know, as, as quickly as possible and the editing will... The lack of it will do away with that. So again, he said, if you cannot trust me, right? If you can't trust me, what do we have? Without trust, what do we have? Without dependency, what do we have? So he said, you can't have part with me. You won't have any share and companionship with me. In other words, everything you'll do, you'll try to do on your own without me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head too. Jesus said to him, anyone who has bathed, fully already received Christ as their Savior in their position, needs only to wash his feet, because that has to do with the experience. Right? But is clean all over. The only thing that gets dirty, right, is our what? Is our position in Christ dirty? <laughs> nope. Do our feet get dirty as we walk and need to be cleansed? Yes. Right? And you, and you, my disciples, all you that are in me, are clean, but not all of you. And that's what he was talking about with, with Judas. We said this the other day, too, and I want to bring this out. It says, what, what God is teaching us is this, that when you find a believer, one who's in Christ positionally, and they don't have this rest of their heart. And heart there is their mind and their emotions. If you don't have rest in your mind, if you don't have the mind of Christ in your experience, which will bring us to rest, and you don't have that repose of soul, and the picture is, in, again, in the 13th chapter of, of John in the 23rd verse, John, the beloved apostle, he laid his head on Jesus' breast. Bosom there, it says. And the bosom is the place where the Father and the Son in all eternity had this embrace. Now, in John 1, verse 1, it says, 
In the beginning, the Word. What beginning? Well, the beginning is how he's telling us about the eternal one. <laughs> That's how we read John 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word. And then it says the word with God. And that word with is that Greek word pros, P-R-O-S. And that speaks of an eternal, affectionate, loving embrace right? that nothing can disturb or distract. Now, we don't have that like the Father and Son, the Trinity, because that's, that's God. We have the God, the Father, God, the Son, they're one, and the, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from both, and yet they're all distinct, separate individuals, but one in essence. Let's trust God for that, and let's not try and figure that one out. But it's what the Scriptures declare. But Christ put on humanity in John 1, verse 14. He was made. He, he, was, ma he, be, he was made flesh. The Word that always is was made flesh and dwelt among us, so that we could what? That he, as a human, as best as he could, could bring us to rest in that bosom, the place of the most intimate fellowship. And that's what Christ has given every single one of us. Do we know that? Have we ever even heard that? Boy, you want to talk about a pillow to rest your head on. And uh, that's what John was, was doing there. But again, if you don't have that rest of heart where you can lay on the, breast, uh, on, the, on the bosom of Christ, you're going to be driven to activity. Christians, constant activity. In order for what? To fill the void produced by the absence of rest. I got to do, I got to do, I got to go, I got to go, I got to do, I got to go. Why? No rest. Why? Because are there areas where our feet need to be cleansed? And if I have dirty feet, even if I'm ignorant about it, can I have rest? Can I have fellowship with him? And will God fellowship with sin? It's paid for, but if I'm living in something that he paid for, and that's what my experience is, how can I experience him who can't even look upon iniquity? Because his, his eyes are so pure. And again, in Habakkuk 1 and verse 13, that's why it says in Titus 1, verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. We have a pure image in Christ. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the unbelieving, living in sin, right? Is anything pure? No, but all things are what? Defiled. I see myself as defiled. Is that true about who we are in Christ? So my bad feelings are going to tell me that I'm defiled and I'm less than who I am in Christ? No. But if I don't know that, can I rest in it experientially? And if I don't have it, I'm going to look for the next thrill. I have to do something. I have to go from here because in this place, there's no rest. Where is that place? Right here. That's right, right here. And that's what we need. We need this rest. But you see a man putting his head on the most intimate place of fellowship. You know, there's two, there's two men that wrote about the love of God like no other. And here's the difference. John, the beloved apostle, wrote about the love of Christ while he walked on the face of the earth. Christ, like no other. And you'll see that in the Gospel of John. You, you don't see it spelled out any better than that. And why? Because where was he laying his head? 
And, and we've said this before, and God gave this to me, boy, and it was so beautiful, and it was right when I needed it. He laid his head on Jesus' breast, and what did he hear? He heard his heartbeat, and everything about his heartbeat was saying, I love you. And boy, did he write about him. But that's why the Apostle Paul, he would write about the love of Christ as the heavenly one. And are we an earthly people, like the Jews, like even those disciples were at that time till Christ was crucified, and then they became part of the church in Acts, the second chapter? We are a heavenly people. Set your mind on things above, Colossians 3, 2, not on things of the earth. Because if you settle on the things of the earth and they change, where's your rest? If you're resting in those things. Are you resting in your finances? Are you resting in your houses? Are you resting in your jobs? Are you resting in what, in, in what you think you need for someone to approve of you? Are you resting in that? Do you need constant approval? You know what, the, you know what we call that? That's approbation lust. Meaning, I constantly need you to approve of me about who I am in Christ because I don't experience the rest that, that Christ is in me and I'm in him. And so I'm going to constantly need that. Wow, without a case, too. Hmm. Awesome. But you know what? What is the first and simplest reason why that we see a lack of rest in ourselves and in others? Why? Are our feet washed? Again, if you don't have cleansing, and do we need that continually? And will he be faithful and, and patient and loving to show us that without condemnation? Because we're in him. So will God condemn me no matter what my experience is? In Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation. There isn't any. Is there any in the flesh? Is there any in doubt? Is there any in worry? Is there any in, in bad emotions? That's why we don't get deceived by good emotions. Don't get deceived by them because they can change in a heartbeat. But does our position change? And so when I know that, and that's my experience, then what do I experience? I am truly, in Romans 8, verse 37, I'm more than a conqueror in him. So, why then is there no rest? The reason is, is because are we fit for communion, for intimacy with Christ where he is right now? Are we? Are we positionally? Yes. But are we experientially? And that's the key. That's the key for us. But here's the thing about it about the washing of the feet. Yes, he has to remove, listen to this one, the defilement. Dirty feet. We cannot do it. Don't listen to the legalists. Yeah, God did all this, and Christ did all this. The least you can do is, yeah, the least we can do is, in John 15, verse 5, nothing without him. But we have to put our hand, and it takes intense humility, but who does he give grace to? You put your foot in him, not based upon your feelings, but upon the truth of the word of God. You have to put your dirty foot in his hand. And what does he do? And when you do that, instantly he removes the defilement. Now, have they all been done in our position? 
Okay, but is my experience the same? Have I chose to live in something that he already dealt with since? He removes the defilement. Why? Because we walked away from him and in the world. And is the whole world system defiled? Is there anything good in it? 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17, there's no good in it. So the defilements, uh, what he desires to remove. Now listen to why he, he desires to remove that. Because he loves us. Those defilements that we get as a result of making contact with the world. Do you know there's something far even deeper than that? Far deeper than that. Because he wants to clean us and fit us in our minds and our emotions for himself. Where he is. And he cleanses us, why? In order, notice that, in order to have fellowship, communion, or part with us moment by moment, day by day where he is. Did you know that? <laughs> he desires to remove the defilement. Yes. Why? Because he loves us and deeply desires the fellowship with us. That's what he desires. And my desire is equal. Boy, oh boy. No, he, he does wash our feet, and that's absolutely needed. There's absolutely needed. No, there is. But even a far deeper reality is he wants to fit us and to suit us for common interest with him. That's called fellowship. That's why it says in Colossians 3 verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Okay? Your position is here and your experience while you're on the earth is to be heavenly. And if it's not, then whatever happens in the earth, in your circumstances and situations, becomes the determining factor towards you. Towards you. And is that truth? No. That's why the preaching of the word comes in. The word of the Lord in Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of Christ is what? Is what? Is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen to what it says. Piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul, self-conscious living apart from him, to bring us into what? The spirit, God-conscious living. Because those were all, that's where all our struggles are. And I'll tell you, the, a humongous cause of our struggles is not just the ignorance of not knowing, and that can be part of it, but it's the dirty feet. That's what it is. The feet are defiled. And we just don't let things go right away. <laughs> Why? Still living in known disobedience and still thinking I can receive and rest and have fellowship with Christ. In known areas of sin. I mean, knowing it and still doing it. Why? It's a choice. It's a choice. In 1 John 2, 1. We don't have to sin. We don't have to have dirty feet. We choose to. And, and this thing keeps sliding. Okay, stay up there. Well, fact of the matter is, here it is. What is the Lord saying to his disciples? What is he speaking to us this morning? I'll tell you what he's saying in John the 13th chapter. Here it is again. 
I, right now, and this is now, our now is right now, right here. Now I will show you, I will manifest to you how I can fit and qualify you to have association and communion with me on my ground. <laughs> my ground. And in this new location, this new sphere, this new place of where you are in your experience based upon your position. I will do it. Listen, who's going to show us? It says, I will show you. Can we do it ourselves? Okay. I will show you how I can fit you. I can qualify you. Qualify. What is that? Colossians 1 verse 12. Listen to what it says. And I'm going to read it here for you. In Colossians 1 and verse 12, this is what it says. Giving thanks unto the Father, this is Colossians 1.12, which has made us meet, meet there means made me qualified, which has made us, you and me in Christ, all of us in Christ, meet qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in what? In light, in light. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? Did you notice that? And did I notice it with you? Who has, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness and translated, better, transliterated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. You see? He's qualified us. Who does that? He did that positionally. Now, he still has to lead us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the word, Dividing the soul, self-conscious living, and God-conscious living, the spirit, to bring what? To show me how me, how I already am qualified by his qualifications that he's made mine individually, individually to have an association or communion, fellowship with him. It's on his ground. And can anything move him who's our foundation ground? Did anything move him? The whole time he walked the face of the earth, nothing moved him, ever. He wasn't moved. And so he brings us into a new sphere, in other words, a new experience continuously, into the new place where constantly, he's constantly renewing us. Ephesians 4, 23, we need to be constantly what? Renewed to the reality of the new place that we're in, and, I'll, and how he is actually leading us. And if God leads us in every thought, word and deed, circumstance and situation, he who is love, is there any fear in it? There's no fear. But do I need the light? Do I need the light of the scriptures? Do I need the light that Christ is in John 8, 12? Do I need his light? I do. Now, he was love, and this is why we teach love, what love is. God is love. Are we love? No. But are we beloved in Christ? Yes. So in that, in John 1, verse 1, that's why Christ had to come out. And the reason that he came out, the reason that he came out is because we couldn't go in to who God is. <laughs> There's only God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God, in his incredible love for us, in his Son's agreement with the Holy Spirit, said, okay, son, you're going to put on humanity so that you can come out 
and be the light of my love for them. And I want them lit up with my love for them. Oh, you'll see that in Psalm 34 and verse 5. Psalm 34 and verse 5, even in there. Listen to, listen to this, and boy, this, is this a beautiful scripture here. And Psalm 34 and verse 5, listen to what it says. It says this. Well, look at this. Oh, God, no. I'm going to have to read five verses in Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Why? Because is Christ already glorified in me? Right? So because he's glorified, has he blessed me by his pure grace? Right? I will bless the Lord at what? All times. Well, we can't do that. Oh, really? You mean Christ has done everything for us? Everything's in his hand. We're in his hand. Our times are in his hand. And I can't. Where does that come from? Where does that lie come from? We're going to base what we can't do and what we can do based upon our emotions? Or do we have the right thought life, the mind of Christ? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise. Whose praise? His praise will continually be in my mouth because that's my thought life. You know, God's full thought is Christ. I mean, who's our full thought? My soul, my self-conscious capacity, will make her boast where? In the Lord. Where's my boast? My job? My finances? My house? My circumstances? My situations? Other believers? Listen to that. Other believers? Am I living on the faith of other believers and not experiencing him for myself? Boy, I'm going to need them to constantly tell me who I am. And as long as I'm not rested in who he is in me, I'm going to be very active seeking others so they can confirm it to me and deal with my doubt, which is, of course, something only that Christ has already dealt with, by the way. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. Listen, who hears the Lord? Who submits to him? The humble. Why do they? Because he gives them the grace to do so in James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. So the humble will hear and submit and be what? Glad. Oh, magnify your troubles with me and call it fellowship. Magnify the tough time you're going through. Magnify what you don't have in your bank account. Magnify all these other things, these cares that shouldn't be yours but should be cast on him in 1 Peter 5, 7, and you're being devoured by the enemy in 1 Peter 5, 8 as a result of you trying to carry a burden which God knows in our frame in Psalm 103, verse 14, we're not even close to being able to bear. Right? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What, based upon how I feel? <laughs> Again, if we, had, if we went by, all of us, I'm going to tell you, if any of us went by our feelings, would we even be here? So obedience has to do with my feelings, good or bad? No, faith dependence. That's right. Faith dependence. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. Privately, yes, but together. Now, based upon that grace that's given to the one who's humble, look what it says. I sought the Lord. He 
He will give us the grace to continue to seek Him. Seek the cleansing we need. Seek the communion and the depth of fellowship that we need. And seek the rest where he's resting. I don't know, where's God the Father resting? Zephaniah 3 verse 17, he's resting in his love. Well, who is the Father's love in John 1, 1? It's the Son. And where is our rest located? Now you're into the fourth chapter of Hebrews. And look at those first 12 verses. And then we'll get the full thought. I sought the Lord, and guess what? He heard me. Does he hear the flesh? Well, does the flesh have anything to do with who we are in Christ? How many prayers are there, I wonder? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Right? I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my, guess what? What's that? Fears. Because if you're not motivated by his love that brings you rest, fear will cause you to be very active. And I'm going to tell you, that doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy to remove you from intimacy with Christ. They looked unto him. That's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking away from all that would distract. Does that include my emotions? I don't know, am I going to trust how I feel more than the Word of God, the eternal Word of God? That's forever settled in heaven in Psalm 119, verse 89. Your Word, O God, is forever settled in heaven. Well, who is the Word of God in John 1? That's Christ. Is my position settled in Him? Do I have that settled experience of the reality of a proper image and a proper identity in my position in Christ? Well, they looked unto him. Look away from all that would distract in Hebrews 12, 2, unto Jesus. Set your mind on things above, Colossians 3, 2. Not on things of the earth. Why? They looked unto him and were lit up. <laughs> Light. Proper image. Proper definition. Proper image. Proper experience. Proper Proper. They looked unto him, and they were lit up. <laughs> Woo! I see everything properly. I see him seated above in control of everything. And he's in me. He's in control of me. Not, not by circumstances and situations and what I feel and see. We walk by faith in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Not by sight. Not by our emotions. Again, good or bad. We don't do that. And then call that worship because my emotions are good. Yeah, just wait till you leave the so-called Christian concert. They looked unto him and were lit up. And not that I don't think people do worship God there. I just don't think it's, it's, it's properly the first and right place. I just want to make that clear. They looked unto him and were lit up and their faces were what? Not ashamed. Their countenance, remember in Isaiah 3, verse 8, their countenance either testifies for them or against them. But is God against us? Is my flesh against me? You live in something that's against you. You try to live in something that you try to change. It's not even who you are. It's already been dealt with for me and for you. This poor man cried, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his, out of how many? All his troubles. Right? 
I don't know, did God accomplish that? Are all things in his hands that we heard? Did we just read that in John the 13th chapter? He knew that all things were in his hands. How many things are in our hands? You know where our trouble comes from? Because when we have dirty feet, we put things in our hand. And boy, what, what do we do with them? It doesn't have a thing to do with anybody else. I don't care what anyone says. If you're a Christian, and I'm a Christian, and I live with dirty feet, and I think that I can take with my hand, and I think I'm doing something for someone else, it's not even for them. It's for, for the flesh's glory. It's got nothing to do with them at all. You can see that in Galatians chapter 6, verses 12 to 14. Well, this poor man in himself, but rich in Christ, poor in ourselves, but rich in Christ, where all the riches are, in Colossians 2, verse 3, and where they are, in Philippians 4, verse 19, and the Lord heard him. Where does the Lord hear us? Where? Where he's placed us. Where did he place us? In the son of his love. What's God's answer to us about everything? You can trust my love for you that never changes. His love for us just doesn't change. Maybe my circumstance and situation does. So, does his love change? Does his love change? It doesn't change. It doesn't change. So what does he do when I have defiled feet? He takes the basin. He pours the water, the water of the word. And he takes the towel. And knowing that he came from God and went from God, and that was God's side of it and his too, (laughs) he stoops. God in Christ stoops. What's that mean? He humbles himself. You see that in Philippians chapter 2, 6. Seven and eight. See it right there in the scriptures. He stoops, he humbles himself to perform. What do we mean? He performs this act of service, and service is what? He's worshiping God, doing this for us. He's glorifying God by washing our feet. And we don't want that. Peter didn't want it. He performs. Job 23, verse 14 says, He performs the thing that he desires. My desire with dirty feet apart from him? Not happening. He performs, not us. He performs. Don't look for someone else to perform for you. No. No. You don't have to look any further than within. I don't have to look any further than within. I don't. He stoops to perform. Listen to, listen to Psalm 138, verse 8. Psalm 138, verse 8. Look at what it says. The Lord will perfect, that means complete. Has he completed us in Christ? Colossians 2.10. Are we filled up with all that God is through Christ? Did you know, you know who's for us? God the Father. We have a Father. You need a Father? Do you? You're going to be lovingly, lovingly and held and embraced with affection? You have it. God the Father. Now you have God the Son, identification. And God the Holy Spirit, our teacher and our guide. You know, Colossians 2, verse 9, it says, really, it says that, that when he walked the face of the earth, and let me read it to you in the King James, but let me give it to you also in the way that God's given it to us in, in the original languages. So for, in this interpretation of the King James, it says in Colossians 2, 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What that's saying is the whole time that Christ walked the face of the earth, he was filled up with all of who God is. Because they're one, right? 
They're distinct, separate individuals, but they're one in essence. So when it says here, for in him, is that our, is that our place? Is that our position? Is it my experience? In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know what that's saying? It's saying the whole time that God, Christ walked the face of the earth, he was filled up with all of who God is. And then Colossians 2.10 says, and you are complete in him. You know what the Greek says? And you are filled up in him. <laughs> we have two comforters in John 14, 16, and 17, Christ in heaven interceding for us, and the Holy Spirit who takes our prayers when we can't even, when they're just, we can't even go beyond what we should. He takes them in Romans 8, verse 26, and takes them into the height where they should be. We have so much going for us because we're in Christ. And you're complete in him, which is the head. You want to think with your own head? Which is the head of, of what? All principality and power. In other words, everything that comes against you, okay, when you function in Christ experientially, how do you come out? More than a conqueror. <laughs> because they're already defeated. You see that again in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 18. You see it again all through the scriptures. Again. So, as we begin to wrap this up this morning, he stoops to perform what only he can. And I was going to read Psalm 138, verse 8. See? God brings it back. Thank you, Lord. So Psalm 138, verse 8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. So all of God's concern about me, is it fulfilled in Christ? So what am I concerned about? That he's not in control of. My times are in his hand. Psalm 31, 15. I'm in his hand. In, Matthew, in, in John 10, 28 and 29. What is it that would concern me? What do I make the concerns? Do I make my concerns based upon bad thoughts and use my emotions to dictate who I am? See? He, the Lord will, and he has, by the way, because Christ fulfilled his will, and his will was so that he could love us, and he wants to wash our feet because he deeply wants to and desires to love, love us. And then we take that love, and in love and obedience, love him back. Are you kidding me? We have that opportunity? Oh, boy, so incredible. The Lord will perfect will finish and complete that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. He would never forsake the work of his own hands because he would have to forsake his son. Your circumstances, your situations, your emotions are no indication that he's ever forsaken you. Joshua 1.5, he won't fail you nor forsake you. Won't do it. Hebrews 13.5, I will never, no, never, no, never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. Never. So as we wrap it up, he stoops to perform this act of service, and that goes into worship. But this, the action is the, the act is the action of his love through grace to us. Boy, you know what he wants to bring us to? You know what place we're gonna we're gonna have in heaven? And boy, we can't we can barely even touch these things. That's why I need prayer. Please pray for me. So, so God gives it to me the right way, and, and if God do, does desire to give it through me, then he'll do that, because that's for you. So if you're praying for me, you're praying for yourself and for each other. But can you imagine 
when you see Psalm 22, verse 22, well, let me read Psalm 22, verse 22. We're almost done, and it's 754. Psalm 22, verse 22, and many believe that the huge portions of this, in which I do, Christ was fulfilling on the cross. Psalm 22, look at what it says in verse 22. I will declare your name, your nature among my brethren. That's you and I in Christ, by the way. In the midst of this heavenly gathering, <laughs> will I praise you. Do you understand what this is? This is, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I hope I can even say it right. I don't know. I mean, honestly. Now you go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it became him. I mean, it was everything about him for this, for us. Listen to this. For it became him for whom are all things. He didn't have to do this. We didn't deserve it. God, for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto what? Glory. God, what does that involve? To make the captain of their salvation complete through sufferings. Listen, for both he that sanctifies, he who makes holy, and they who are sanctified, holy in him positionally, are all of one. Listen, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them his, his own family's brother. Did you know there's no shame in him for us? And God forbid in 2 Timothy 1.12 there should be any in us at his appearing because there's none in him. We need to have a right form in 2 Timothy 1.13, that form that Christ is, that image, that pure image of truly who we are, not based upon our emotions. No, based upon the mind of Christ that's immovable and unchangeable and immutable, right? Saying in Hebrews 2.12, I will declare your name, your nature unto my brethren. You know what he's saying? I'm going to sing with them because they have the same life. <laughs> it's just to me, it's like, I don't understand it the way I should. But for, for all of heaven, we're going to sing and he's going to sing with us. Because when God became a man, he became a man forever, forever identification with us. And we will sing with him and worship. I will declare your name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto you. God, are you kidding me? Listen, that is yours and mine. Listen to me, you individually, whoever you are, it's yours. That's what he's done for you. And oh boy, he's teaching us to sing. We all have a place around his throne. And he's going to sit on that throne, but he's going to be worshiping. While we worship him, we're going to be worshiping with him, God. And you're going to see that in Revelations, the fifth chapter, in verses 9 through 12. Because who gave us his lamb? It's the Father in Genesis 22, verse 8. God provided for himself. He first had to do that. And in doing so, he's provided for us. And he's giving us songs. And right now, these songs are songs in the night. And they're dark sometimes. But he's given us a song. You know, there's certain birds that only sing the most beautiful songs you ever heard because you don't hear them sometimes because they sing them in the dark night. And that's where the diamonds are created.
and the heat and pressure of the earth and dark places. And that's where he gives us the treasures of darkness and hidden riches and secret places in Isaiah 45, verse 3. But he's given us in Job, in, in Job 35, verse 10, songs in the night. He's teaching us and giving us a song that we're going to sing together. But he wants us, to, we can sing it now. And that's why he continually wants to wash our feet because he so deeply wants to deeply have fellowship with us. God desires us that much through Christ. So Father, thank you and we praise you. Thank you so much. God, please. I am looking for your help with this. You know, for all of us together. For your glory and our blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.